How long gone? Uh, this is a, a pre-Thanksgiving uh, recording due to our busy schedules. Jason's got three turkeys in the garage in the, <laughs> in the hot oil right now. In the hot oil right now. I really shouldn't have put those on before the podcast because I should keep an eye on them. It's going to be an hour. Are you are you doing any Thanksgiving food preparation? Not to steal thunder from Allison Roman or anything, but are you working on any sort of you know macaroni and cheese? Or maybe a stuffing or anything? Or, I was or Actually, I was just talking to a friend of the show, Bryn, right before she posted on Instagram, I'm looking for a mac and cheese recipe white people need not apply. And I was like, damn. Bryn said she needs a mac and cheese that make you want to slap your mama type of type of shit. You know what it's I mean? A, it's a let me get a plate style mac and cheese. <laughs> um, uh, I, but I'm, I'm actually, I have not had a, ch- uh, a, a chance to go shopping yet and i'm going to do that as soon as i finish this episode so i'm a little bit afraid of what the glendale whole foods is going to be looking like i think all the all the celery is going to be ran through like sadie hawkins last (laughs) night (laughs) it's gonna look like yeah that's what i it's gonna look like a nightclub at 4 30 a.m when the lights come on yeah over at the whole foods don't, don't even go to ralph's that's let crazy. me get i, I well because allison roman she has her recipe this year for the turkey leg okay. and it's done in the style of a confit like a duck confit if you've ever heard of that <laughs> and it's a genius idea because turkey notoriously kind of boring nasty dry whatevs and you know you take this method of slowly uh cooking it in you know, duck fat or something like that. It's going to come out all yummy, yummy. So I'm going to try doing that today. I got some turkey turkey legs on hold over at my local <laughs> you, purveyor. You're picking up some organic uh, farm-raised turkey legs. Brother, it can't be any more pasture, <laughs> pasture-raised than this. I, there, okay. I'm pretty sure this is... <laughs> The, the the turkeys are still mooing and they died a happy death they, of course yeah of course and and i'm not gonna serve in their country i'm not gonna go pita mode on you i'm gonna let you cook no pun intended but is the oh, what what sides are we working with are you preparing sides is this something that you who kind me of, yeah oh i'm glad you asked i'm gonna do i don't know creamed corn i don't i feel like that's pretty nasty for you right that's that's high on the nasty scale right that is disgusting. Continue. Does your mom probably likes cream corn though, right? And your daddy. Uh, my, my mom's not a big vegetable person, as you know. Um, but <laughs> she I, I bet she enjoys dairy. She does enjoy dairy. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. So maybe. <laughs> and she as far can... <laughs> as vegetables go, corn is a you know. Yeah, it's it's an entry level offering. Yeah, yeah, corn is not is not toothy like broccoli or something. You know, you know she, corn goes down smooth. <laughs> corn go down smooth and. Um, <laughs> Gonna do a nice vegetarian gluten free stuffing. So at that oh. point, what's the point? But hey, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people out here who are living with fake illnesses and all these of things course. that we have to abide by. No, of course. And and I think that that's nice of you to do and respectful. And um, I'm sure it's gonna taste terrible, but that's not your fault. No, you know actually, I, mean? I made it last year and it for all my GF hotties, and I surprised myself. I mean, expectations were low, all you know, because it is. Stuffing is 94% yummy bread. And since yummy bread that's gluten-free doesn't exist yet, you know, it's you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, but it ended up being good. No, RIP, RIP to RIP to bread block, the only good gluten-free bread. That- unless unless you spend 30 $37 a loaf, you know, and who knows what's happening in the digestion with that, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know how much money I've spent on fucking gluten-free loaves in my short life? Um <laughs> But it's true. It's it's an interesting thing that the gluten free, 
you have to be rich to be gluten free. I guess is kind of what they're aiming for. If you're only if you're, only rich people are gluten free. You ever met a poor gluten free person? They said, "No, just what are you going to do? Not eat it? You find a way. You yeah. push through." Yeah, you push through, and I think that the the gluten free bread prices prove that it's a kind of capitalist scam. Yeah, is, is the is the reality. Forty dollars for a loaf of bread. That's not in my America. Get out of here, Jack. <laughs> um, what else do I got cooking? Ooh, there was one more thing. Oh, no, I, th- I hope that's fucking it. No, there was one more thing. I don't fucking know. KK is making some Molly Boz taters. They're probably going to be scrum- scrumptious, adorbs, yummo. What is her? Can, can I ask what, what her style of potato is? Hers is going to be, it'll be kind of like a smash style. So you, you kind of boil them and then they come out soft and then you... You kind of, instead of cutting them precisely with a knife, you kind of rough them up with a with a spoon or a fork. You want some oblong, esoteric shapes. Each one more random and insane than the last. And then this feels more like this feels more like art actually than than food. The art of cooking. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I, I, you know. I I don't want to be the one the to say it. The art of cooking by DJ and them jeans, Simon and Schuster, twenty twenty seven. It feels it feels like that. It does feel like that. I wanted to um give a shout out to former guest and and friend of the show, Jim Goldberg. Um, he just did the new issue of the Face, the cover of the Face, like he did the Olivia Rodrigo editorial. Go Goldberg! And it is very good. It's very cool. Let me, let me take it's a very thing. good. The Face rodrigo is that gonna get us across the mm. oh here we go she's got an apple on her head yeah it's great it's it's so cool and it's so nice to see i just feel like she hasn't been shot this way before you know what i mean um, yeah and it's, it's damn she looks cool it's very refreshing but shout out to jim <laughs> damn her her seeing the apple on the head really reminds me of the michael jackson documentary you remember that i didn't and when that. he would write he was right also yeah there's a picture of her sort of laying in some uh silver lake backyard on some tall grass yeah this is cool and good but in the in the michael jackson documentary it would show kind of written correspondence faxes letters things like that Mm -hmm. between michael and his uh tiny homies okay (laughs) he would affectionately call one of one or some of these children that he pokes on applehead and I think this documentary came out around quarantine time, not unlike our guests' album recording. I'm assuming it was made in COVID, but but during that time we were all sort of going through a little bit of a delusional psychosis. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where, our, where our brains were were had stopped working. Some people call it unhinged. Mm-hmm. I've heard that line. I've heard that line before. <laughs> Carolyn and I would call each other Applehead in a Michael Jackson voice sometimes, and it would it would create an eerie aura in the, in our home yeah yeah um, you want to give it a try chris no i'm good um i don't Applehead. i don't i, I don't know i, I get his voice is his voice um when singing obviously was beautiful when talking it did leave it, it left a little on the table for me when you go let me fuck Applehead. but it, 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 he's he's <laughs> Applehead. <laughs> thinking we can go to six flags tomorrow Applehead. The worst. One play. Of, you play too much, Applehead. Let's move on. One of the one of the worst. But he's forgiven. <laughs> Michael Jackson is one is not one of the worst. One of the worst. One, of the, one worst. of the greats. I mean, I don't listen to his music personally. I I I, I well, won't. nobody does now. But you have to. That's you not have, true. He's an undeniable talent. No, he is an undeniable. I'm more of a Jackson Five cat. 
you know if i had to if i had to choose if i had to if i had to choose if i had to choose gun to my head do i go mj or the five what, don't make me don't make me choose uh what is the okay so you're you're ready for t-day you're good to go no not at all have not even started i'm incredibly behind. but you have the plan you you have the plan though you know what you're doing yeah but tomorrow i have white people thanksgiving and then i have asian people thanksgiving on friday so it's it's two two a days man you do so much family shit i feel sorry for you thank you it's you know you're a good guy for doing all that you got to drive two hours it's just it's honestly yeah i, I drove two hours right after after finishing work to Palos Verdes. How was it? Beautiful? For a gender reveal soiree. It was it was great. Actually, and Carolyn's mom made some food. Okay, so what's the... And it was fucking delicious. I had not eaten anything all day because I'm, I'm on my intermittent fasting again. Oh, welcome back. So what is the... For the holiday season. What is the gender then, if you don't mind me asking? I don't know if I'm at liberty to tell. The gender is... Okay. 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 I didn't want to. <laughs> I, I didn't want to put you. I didn't want to put you in a bad spot. But I had to ask. Obviously. <laughs> no. 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 It's fine. It's fine. I 100% don't care what the answer is to that question. But I. I had to sure, ask. Sure. 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 You know, I had to ask. I know you've been hanging on the telephone waiting for waiting for dat gender. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, dat. But it was it was cool. I was wondering. I was like, what? How? How are they going to do it? Because everyone has you know does it in a fun way, and they did it in a cute way involving involving a pie where they had um she had these little kind of like qp cherub plastic dolls from when she was a kid that like her her dad gave them gave them to her and there was like a boy and a girl little doll and then you open it up and one of the two mm. little uh, qp dolls were sitting inside of the in, inside of the pie and that's how you knew it was cute okay the pie was edible if you've ever seen the qp mayonnaise yeah, the pie was delicious. It was store bought. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. Okay, it was a banberry pie. Have you ever had that? What's banberry? No, I've never heard of that. What is that? <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's it's. So imagine a banana cream pie, but then on top of a on on top of it is a layer of of strawberries. Mm, that sounds delicious. So it has. It's like a strawberry and banana pie. It's yeah. It's it's that sick. Sounds it's del- very good. I had never because when you hear the word banberry, you're like, that's gonna be weird. But it's just a combination of banana and strawberry. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even clock that. Even after you fucking told me, that sounds delicious. It is delicious. All right, put me in. You know I- when you get the 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 strawberry pie, it has like it's like got the thick kind of gloopy gelatinous strawberries, but in the sauce, but they're still a little little undercooked. So you got a little chew to them. Oh, I love a little. It's nice. Love a little chew. I saw ran into ran into um. Olive uh, Lawrence Schlossman and this this guy Ed Cumming from London who was visiting last night at Corner Bar and Ed um, is a writer at the Telegraph and like we've been in touch before. Yeah, I think I know Ed. He Ed, shout out to Ed. Ed told me a great Noel Gallagher story, <laughs> mm. and I'm not going to repeat it here. I don't want to give away his story. He lived this, but it oh. involves Noel just basically his excuse for all his behavior and refusal to do things being I have a hundred million quid. <laughs> um and saying i have a hundred million quid over and over <laughs> which really tickled me it's a it's a card that not many can pull and when you do you're you're a prick but if That's you own I mean. it in the right way it, it does work it is a it is a flawless victory fatality even if you're him and you're in england it, it can't go wrong and, it, and you can't say dollars you have to say no quid you can't say quid. pounds or euros no, no, it no. has to be quid. Are there any other 
No. Any other currency types that it works for? Or no. Yeah, I got a hundred million yen. I don't think that really hits the same <laughs> as as quid. Hundred million yen. That'll get you a happy meal at McDonald's. You know what I mean? The exchange right nowadays. <laughs> what was um Simon Rex saying yesterday? Lire. Yeah, li- yeah. That used to be. I've got a hundred million lire. We have a we have a guest today, Kevin Drew. Um, you know him from his work in the uh, legendary uh, Toronto act, broken social scene. Um, he's put out a few solo records. The newest one is called Aging, and it came out pretty recently. Um, it's on. Don't worry, it comes on. A, it's about me. Comes on a nice opaque yellow vinyl. Uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, but uh, let's um, let's give Kevin. Let's go to the Great White North and chat with Kevin. Okay. Hey, Jason. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on. You're eating at restaurants you don't want to eat at all the time to appease myself and others. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to your health, health, there's no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who used your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or because they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors very close to you and instantly book appointments with them online. Just like when I'm looking for new shoes on my sites, you can filter specifically, see which doctors take your insurance located near you maybe find a doctor that's far away from you for personal reasons you don't want to disclose i use zocdoc and you should too go to zocdoc.com slash how long and download zocdoc for free then find and book a top-rated doctor today that's z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash how long zocdoc.com slash how long how long gone is brought to you by neutrophil as you know you know hair thinning is quite complicated like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead. Give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair. With considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Are you now I know you're are you in Toronto right now or are you somewhere else? I am. I okay. Am in Toronto. So, so you guys aren't celebrating Thanksgiving, or do you celebrate the American version as well? We don't celebrate Thanksgiving that much out here in the, in the realms of Canada, mm-hmm. but uh, let alone the American one. Yeah. So ours, I think, was a few weeks ago. Okay, so the October 1st Canadian Thanksgiving. Kevin, how many more years do you think until it's fully done? Like we, we, We've pretty much rejected Columbus Day here. 
Thanksgiving is sort of teetering. Mm-hmm. What do you? How many more years until it's just gone? You know. I think it depends on the social media intelligence of the world, but I'm looking at three to four years and then <laughs> okay. we're over. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. You you give it three to four. I mean, I don't like it because the food is we're bad. We're post holiday. Um, I get along great with my family, uh, but I, I just I don't have any use for it, you know. But I like that. <laughs> um, I like that it 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 brings people together, but it also pushes people apart. That's what makes a great holiday. <laughs> <laughs> You that's know? like christmas with the, the 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 depression rate going through the roof yeah it's yeah just, yeah it's the same kind of it's the same kind of thing but in canada you guys have a lot of fake holidays you guys have family day which is <laughs> happens like once a month doesn't it <laughs> what the hell's family day <laughs> that's not a joke jason that, tell him kevin i'll ask tell kevin him. he's a real canadian family day has bewildered me in the aspect <laughs> that it kind of happened without me knowing that it landed since when you're sort of an artist, you have no idea of Monday, Tuesday, sure. Wednesday, Thursday, which is a privilege, yet also a, a burden. Check your privilege, Kevin. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm opening up. I'm opening up all wrong. Uh, I don't know much about Family Day, but uh, I do believe in family. So I, okay. I think I think the notion of it is is a wonderful thing. That's okay. uh, look, I'm glad that you're able. I'm glad you're able to say that. I just always found that to be funny. Like they couldn't come up with some some more dramatic name for it they just they just really called it what it is which is is kind of charming i guess that's what they say we are as canadians is charming uh charming uh i guess that is important to include (laughs) not an not an insult (laughs) at all um no just just an observation just an observation so kevin we've been we've been fans we've been fans of bss for a long time by the way we just wanted to let you know it's cool that we get to talk. Well, I, I'm happy to do this, and I, I thought I could open with a, qu- a question because sure, how sure. long gone? Where, where did that come from? It came from the same place as your as Broken Social Scene. We started it in COVID, and here we are. Yeah, uh, No, it is, it's, it's a Brooks and Dunn song. Oh, really? It sounded like a Dylan lyric, but it's Brooks and Dunn. That's America for me right there. Well, there, I mean, the, the Brooks and Dunn and Dylan. We'll take the Dylan are, as a compliment. Are interchangeable. Personally, I don't really see a big difference. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's why you got there. Yeah, the the origin of it is still like we kind of it's been so long that we kind of forget exactly. Like It's a real chicken or egg thing. But we were looking for I was looking for kind of generic music to play as the intro song because we didn't want to use like a licensed song and get taken down by the DMCA, whatever. So I was finding the most kind of like random karaoke versions of songs I could find that no one will ever, you know, ever hear whoever made the song will never listen to this podcast when we find and it ended up being just a, a very generic sounding country jingle. And it was the karaoke version of this of this Brooks and Dunn song called How Long Gone. We needed a name and we were like, fuck it, let's just do that. It's sort of about how long will we be gone from our normal lives for. I love it. I do. And COVID ended up breaking much of my social scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it stuck and it feels, you know, it looks nice written out, which is kind of what matters when you think about it. You know what I mean? I, I don't always think about that when naming something but it's nice when it looks good together the group of words mm-hmm. the alliteration of it all it's it's it is it's poetic thanks man and right, uh, well i mean I'm a, I'm a poet yeah. it lands all right well that's good I, have you heard of this before your publicist said you have to do this i don't uh, see you have to understand i'm 47 years old and people talking is what i listen to to fall asleep so i'm not a massive podcast person or uh, audiobook person because 
when I drive, which I'm driving a lot because I live out of the city, I have to understand that this is something now that I've chosen to help me sleep. But I, I did listen to this podcast because it became so highly recommended. And I was touched that you guys wanted to speak to me. And I looked at your roster of everyone that you spoke to. And this morning, my girlfriend and I drove listening to your Simon Rex interview. And Hell yeah. <laughs> I realized that I got I got a little nervous. I just said, oh, these guys are funny. These guys are alive. They're they're enjoying themselves. So I got to make sure I take a shower and have some coffee. And I'm not really an afternoon gentleman when it comes to the idea of answering <laughs> questions. I'm more a morning person. But you so know, here I am. It's 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 funny. It's funny because we do record this at the we try to record it at the same time every every episode. And it is a lot of people and, and musicians, of course, like, you know, they're kind of night owls. You know, mm -hmm. people like to sit down, have a cocktail, smoke something, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then start talking or creating. But we like to put you in a post lunch. It's 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 more of a struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little it's a little it's <laughs> we still want to kind of make it as tough as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's still free flowing. But, but I, I like afternoon gentlemen, though. It kind of sounds like an aftershave or something. <laughs> Mm. from the days of yore real sting to it do you uh all right so you an early riser in general i am i i did do that part of life where you you stay up late and of course when the world's asleep around you it's a great time to create because of the frequency of just everyone not being awake and then when, once i got older i realized oh that kind of works as well if you get up early and um that's right i enjoy <laughs> the morning i enjoy it before something ruins the day i think it's the greatest time the first sort of four <laughs> hours before you get out there so i try to wake up as early as I okay can. and what what are some of the what are some of the top day ruiners in your <laughs> life currently kids pets i think like it's that? just the general sense of where we're at okay so just mm. just being so basically you log if the, you log on and you're gonna be upset it's hard to log on right now. Even you fire up the X app and say, "Oh, brother, here we go again." <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not on that. Um, <laughs> but the reason I'm not on that is because I have a hard time with a free for all in terms of looking at information coming at me rapidly, and I'm also kind of like an addict. So mm. if I start getting into something, then I'll just consume it and consume it and consume it, and obviously. We live at a time where we're staring at our phones so much that in the morning, I try to remind myself that there's a day coming and you can actually witness it arrive. <laughs> but it's it's hard when you've got this zero and one magnifying glass in your back pocket saying, let's go. Let's do this together. <laughs> let's do it together. Let's crush some candy, bitch. Uh, yeah, you're right. Don't look though. at that sunrise. You're right. So you're <laughs> getting up. You're getting up quite early. Do you, are you like a, are we farming? Like how far out of the city are we talking about? I'm a couple hours out. And, and fortunately I was able to hit that period in my age where I thought I can't handle the hustle and the bustle anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was able to go out and find a place where the silence is what keeps me up now. It's not so much the noise of the city. It's more just sort of the quiet aspects of the wind and the trees. And I need that so that I can get back to the city and try to be the best that I can be for everyone around me. Mm. So you, so you, you're recharging and then you pop in, you take the, 
you take the gardener all the way down and you're back in the city <laughs> you got it i'm more it's more the 401 but yeah I okay okay the gardener reference i do yeah i, tr- I, could, uh, I mean could us, i think uh, could us americans get a translation here guys please it's just it's just two highways. It's not that good. It's not that interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a the highway is called the Gardner Gardner Expressway. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you call it Jason locals. We call it the guard the Gardner. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I want Jason to look like he knows. You know, so I, I try to hey guys give him all the information. I know I look dumb. I'm just trying it for next time. I'm in Ontario. You know, and I want to <laughs> yeah. fit in with my yeah, locals. For sure. Jason, where where are you? Jason, where do you live? I'm. I live in Los Angeles. Okay. I grew up in Orange County, but uh, I, I'm, I've been in LA my whole adult life. And and Chris, where are you? I, I'm in New York, but also LA. But I'm in New York right now. So when you're talking about silence, um, it's sounding quite good to me. Um, yeah. Because I, I live uh, near a kind of main thoroughfare that takes you to the Williamsburg Bridge, and every day between four and six p.m., four and seven. Let's be honest. Um, it's kind of a mm. barrage of horns and yelling mm-hmm. um, th- that I am becoming. Um, it's becoming it's becoming harder to deal <laughs> with. But the the I, I couldn't be like an upstate guy because that's too boring. So you know the, the answer is yet to be determined. It's tough worry. to uh, leave it all and not have things to do or be spontaneous. But the the only winning aspect of it is is you're not around reaction and you're not around people reacting to people in horns and mm. and all the things that happen when your city becomes overpopulated and filled with condos and too expensive to live and you get to be able to just breathe for a second and reaction figure out how you're going to i've never heard it explained that way that's, yeah reaction you're making no, that's, it sound good. i like that that's well put but i feel like it's not it's not unusual for uh, a Torontite to go out a couple hours somewhere. I know. I feel like I know a lot of people who do that. It's not that strange compared to the the New York or the LA thing. I'm going to J Tree. Yeah, it's more affordable. I, I think. Yeah. I think it's just more affordable. And I went out to a wonderful town that wasn't the super expensive town because all obviously, uh, if you follow where the people go, the prices go up. But um, mm. if you follow where the trees are, your friends, the prices. <laughs> aren't as expensive <laughs> i was hoping i was hoping the drew the drew compound was up in muskoka you had a couple boats you know what i mean a nice yeah. big garage but you're saying you did something a little more a little more indie rock than that. okay a little more indie rock. indie rock i got it for well you, you get you get all these grants and stuff i don't know how it works you know it seems like a different it seems like a different business to me you know what i mean i don't know i don't know well, i was gonna say with the grant system it was always amazing the people who thought you were buying jet skis within that realm <laughs> In the aspect that everything you do within grants gets audited because it has to, and it has to go towards everything that you're uh, positioning your proposition for. Vice needs another drum machine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> she knows she's only going to use that drum machine to the greatest ability that it can be used. So I don't we had think to do any we had grant. To do we had to Yes, do of course. <laughs> yeah. The grant thing, when I first learned about grants, obviously many years ago, I was like, wow this this is so not american like that would never Were you jealous we well we just we we value the arts so little in this country that there's no way that any government would approve something like that you know even on a smaller scale but i think it's like i think it's interesting i mean i think that's one of the things that canada's done is is obviously the grants but also like the kind of the rules about playing a certain amount of music on you know canadian made music on the radio and stuff like that it it actually 
makes things work better, I think. And it seems probably a, at a low cost at the end of the day. There's like health insurance or whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's all of that. The health insurance is cr- <laughs> the health insurance situation is crumbling right now. Um, the grant systems are go on. Um, they are first of all, you're right, and I think everyone who saw the way the Canadian government supported the arts, it was very educational and very helpful towards so many, and it's still existing and it's still out there and it's still so very important because it was sort of built around the aspect that we were drowned out by you guys as our neighbors. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to support a way of saying, okay, we've got such loud neighbors who are dominating this world. We need to turn. We need to go in. We need, we need, we need to give Alexis on fire a hundred grand or they're going to get, they're going to (laughs) get, we're going to have a problem. No, I mean, I think that's that, but it is, it's smart. So is it safe to say America was stealing your sunshine? (laughs) Jesus. That's good. (laughs) It's not good. It's not good. It's It's terrible. I think, I think America loved the fact that that song existed and then provided a soundtrack uh, to that that song Mm -hmm. to, yeah, have an existence. Look, if you were able to get to America and America was to be able to say, we love you, then it all started happening. Sure. It was very difficult to happen within the realm of this country because of the loops and the patterns and the sort of guidelines of how things went down and so many wonderful, incredible musicians and talented bands found it difficult to get outside of this country and bust into America. But like so much uh, celebration amongst art throughout the world, if you were recognized by your country and supported by your country, it very much helped people in this country say, okay, we've got Mm -hmm. something going right now. Let's get behind them. That makes, I mean, no, that makes total sense. It makes total sense. It works. I mean, it works to an extent. I mean, we were just in Australia uh, like a month ago and we saw some like we we saw some bands play and there was one that I liked and and I like looked at their tour schedule and they were playing like 15 shows in Australia <laughs> and I was like these are places I can't pronounce things I've never heard of but that made sense to me because they're so far from civilization like they have no choice but to do that really whereas I'm sure you guys were playing in New York like very early on we were New York is what sort of broke us um, doing the Mercury Lounge getting out to the Bowery, being with the Bowery presents people. Mm-hmm. We fortunately across Canada and across America and then going into the UK, we had a support system that got behind the record that we made, You Forgotten People, and it allowed us to elevate out into playing for way more people than we were available to mm-hmm. in the realm of staying within Toronto. Of course. I mean, what is the, did you ever, you never lived in New York, did you? No, I spent a lot of time in New York also because my family was in the book business and we were always down in New York. We were always you mean, you mean like you mean like cooking the books or you mean like <laughs> bound books? No, bound books. They were in distribution. One of the big companies out of New York was Sterling. So we were hitting New York yes. all the time and hitting bar mitzvahs with people and staff members. And <laughs> it was uh, we were hitting bar mitzvahs all the time. I was bro. in New Jersey. I was in Jersey okay. and and. Uh, Beastie Boys was rocking Fight for Your Right to Party. And I, I, there's a videotape of my brother and I and some other kids at this bar mitzvah rocking out to Fight for Your Right to Party when you could have those effects behind you. Remember when the 
VHS effects started to really take off around 85 <laughs> and the green scheme, the green screen just arrived. Sure. It's a memory I have of New York always a simpler time, a simpler time. You're still a beastie boys fan still. Uh, yeah, I think they're one of the greatest of all time. I really do. I, I greatest of all time. Yeah. A lot of people would agree with you, Jason. Jason, I don't get it. Never gotten it. You never got the beastie boys. Oh, I got it. You never got the beastie boys. I'm, I'm saying I, I, I don't want to listen to that. Like, I guess I like, there's a couple, <laughs> the instrumental, the instrumental record is amazing. Very underappreciated. Um, but the rest of it, I just can't do it. I, I don't know what it is. I can't do it. I understand that it's like an important thing in music, especially in New York, but it just never, it never tickled me. One of the only music takes that Chris and I have agreed on in our lives. Honestly, I don't know what it yeah, is. We don't agree. We don't, we I don't want agree. To believe. On, we don't agree on much. Um, but that one we do agree. I just remember, I remember being a kid in school in, in like high school, like freshman year. And then they would ever, they discovered girls by the beastie boys. You know what I mean? Yeah, the most sexist song they wrote, but there's many other jams you could point out. But I understand where you're headed with at, this. At the going. time, at the time, sex being sexist was not the offense for me. You know that. You know, you're. I'm, I'm 13. I don't even know what being sexist is at that point. So, but I just remember all the all the people who made fun of me, who or like bullied me in middle school. They really liked this music. So to me, I was like. This is for like jocks and bros, and I don't like it. Uh, well, okay. I understand that. And I think they corrected themselves because they came out with Paul's Boutique. And even I was, I'm 47, so I assume I'm older than you guys. And the aspect of that was, uh, I understand the jock aspect because they came out with the jock aspect. And they also came out with the sex, sexist aspect, but they came yeah. out at the same time as Run DMC. They were part of this hip hop scene that for us suburban white kids, we were like, what is going on? Sure. And then when, when they dropped Paul's Boutique, we couldn't quite understand what was going on. And in high school, Check Your Head came out and it was over for me. Yeah. It was over in the aspect that they followed that up with ill communication. And those are two of what I call the white albums, you know, on the Beatles record. I just call them the white albums of rap. And, oh, I thought you meant and, because and, I thought you meant because they were just white rappers, but I see what you did there. Some of the widest albums ever made. I see, I see, I see, what, you I see what you did there. I don't know what to say. But they have, they have righted their wrongs. They have atoned for their sins. And oh, look, I'll give them a pass. MCA, MCA passed away. I heard it on the radio when I was driving. Yeah. And I remember when River Phoenix died. I completely remember because I was such a River Phoenix fan as a kid. I loved him. Stand by me, running on empty. You know, Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. The Explorers. We can keep going. The Nightlife of Jimmy <laughs> Reardon, whatever it was called. When MCA really died, I pulled boy. my car over. I was a river boy. When the MCA died, I pulled my car over. And it took about 10 minutes to just sit there and think to myself, thank you for Damn. the rebunctious childhood that you gave me to the aspect of just sort of rhythm and rhyme and and melody and then that's what i loved about the beasties the most mm -hmm. and of course i love tribe and of course i love funk dubious i saw funk dubious the lynch mob and the beastie boys here in toronto on their ill communication tour that's a canadian ass lineup right there baby <laughs> <laughs> It was a frat party, but there was also so much more to it. There was depth and intelligence yeah. and 
there was just rhythm like no other. So I'm sorry that you were bullied. <laughs> See, my bullies were more of the Metallica Slayer era. You know, that's the guys that were coming oh, for I, us. But those are also two bands I don't like. So I, I just don't, I, I don't, not not like, I just never, like, I had friends that were so into Metallica and I was always like, this is kind of corny. Oh. But I, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was wrong. So do you, is, is Metallica triggering for you then, Kevin? Not anymore. It kind of was in the kill them all days, and I didn't quite understand. But then I realized that okay. they were just kids that needed to, as all kids do back in the day, just let it out, figure it out. Your, music is your identity. You're going to find people. You're going to find friends. You're going to find community through listening to these bands. Yeah. I mean, what were the bands that the two of you were listening to back? Like when you weren't getting bullied, what was it that you were listening to when you weren't listening to the beasties? I want to be clear. Ke I want to be, I want to be clear, Kevin. I've never been bullied. Okay. I just, <laughs> I mean, I actually, actually I'm more bullied now than I was as a child. Well, we all are. Let, let me we say all that. Are. That's a given. Yeah, that's true. Let me, let me, let not me, me say actually not me. Um, I'm good, baby. I, I was. Uh, I mean, I, but would say, I, I, I was ironically listening to Metallica and calling people like you a pussy. Probably is is the <laughs> is is the sweet irony on that. But uh, yeah, I was listening to a lot of metal and shit like that. But also, you know, I was dipping into the world of Primus. Unfortunately, oh, I didn't know this about you. That's tough. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. One in five Americans uh, have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Chris and I are going to the country of Georgia in a month or so, and they have a very unique language, and I will be using Babbel to try and just get a little bit of action so I can know how to order my uh, cold, my cold brew lattes and things like that in a way uh, that's actually science-based. Don't spend hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Use Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons. They're handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new lingo in as little as three weeks. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash how long. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash how long, spelled B A B B E L dot com slash how long. Rules and restrictions may apply. Babel. Like, yeah, when I was like middle school, it was, it was, I was, it was grungy. You know, your Alice in Chains is a little primacy. You know, but lots of Metallica. My middle school is when I find I discovered Operation Ivy, and then I went from there. Hmm. One of one of the greatest bands that I think is. I mean, they only put out one record, which makes you good. Kind as of as far as ska goes, I wouldn't even classify it as ska. I would classify it as something more. There's more depth than that, Kevin. I, I know you would agree. <laughs> I don't even know Operation. I'm I'm wondering. You don't know Operation. Probably look. I'm a New Order kid at the same time, so that's another thing that Ooh, I'm yeah, sure me I too, could be too. Okay, good. I wondered if that was probably. I mean, New Order's the best. No, Operation Ivy was like. I'm a, a huge, huge New Order fan. Operation okay, Operation Ivy go. went on to be Rancid. Oh, of course. Okay, no, I skipped that whole scene. I skipped uh, Rancid and Money My Boston's, and <laughs> that's when I was getting in Dinosaur Junior and My Bloody Valentine, Sonic Youth, and all see, those. and you're just a little bit, you're just a little bit older than us, but that mm -hmm. is that makes you cooler in this particular instance because the Mighty Mighty <laughs> Boston's. 
The Mighty Mighty Boss Stones were like top 40. It was like a hit. Like my parents listened to that on the radio. <laughs> it was like unavoidable. At the, at, yeah, that, I was listening to no effects and you were enjoying My Bloody Valentine. So there is there is a cooler answer out of those two. And I think you're in the right place. You know what? Let's just say the 90s was incredible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Musically. I, can, I, I mean, look, that's all I listen to right now. So I can agree with you completely. Even the music of Green Jello? I don't. Okay, it's a good thing. <laughs> we could we could send that to you. We could send that to you. Send me all this stuff that I don't know that I. I would like you to explain um, the tragically hip to us because I'm. I know you've worked with them and I've been aware of them for so long. But that when did they peak? Like when was their biggest phase? I think it was throughout their career, especially in this country. Um, they came out of the gates. And they just didn't look back. It was as if uh, you just had this sweater that was made for you and you put it on and you wore it for like 16 years. <laughs> Gord Downey, the lyricist within this rock yeah. band. Who, you said Gord Downey? Yes. What a name. Sorry, continue. Alleged leg legend, but the name Gord is very sick. It is. <laughs> he had a lyrical way of looking at things that was simplistic intellectual observations that brought a wide variety of people together so you didn't have sort of one fan mm. and that was their i believe their greatest accomplishment and for us because it became a national anthem within the group's music they could really do no wrong and they constantly just kept putting out anthems or even when you're supposed to be moving on from certain, you know, as you grow older, like, well, mm -hmm. I'm not going to listen to the Beasties anymore. I'm not going to listen to Operation Ivy anymore. I'm going to, the hip always seemed to be able to emotionally connect to you with the memory muscle that you first heard when you first heard them. And it was quite genius of them. The hip. They're your oasis in so many ways, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was going to ask though, what is it comparable? Like, because Oasis obviously is, is like the, that band of England of a country in the same way mm -hmm. you know what I mean but I don't know are we too are we too divided to have that in America because I, I you know what I mean I, I can't think of what that would be I don't think so but I also don't think about it I don't know how to answer that question they could be like the Oasis, but Oasis only had a few records we're mm. talking about yeah Tragically Hip's got a catalog yeah they have a catalog and we stuck by them until Gord passed away. And when he passed away, it was uh, the biggest mourning that this country had gone through in history. So really, I'm not, I'm not sure how to speak about him also because I'm, I'm in the inner world of that memory. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, but I love that you're asking about them because it's a band that I can put on, right now and play you 17 songs and explain to you why they're all relevant in the world that we're living in as yeah, we yeah speak. i see what you're saying mm. what is the yeah. when you worked with them was that like a i mean you guys obviously had a relationship or was it or was it kind of going in cold um i had a relationship with gourd we had just finished a record called secret path with um a friend of mine, Dave Hamlin, who played in the stills, we we started this little production duo. Man, 
Let me stop you right there. Stills, okay. classic. One of the most underappreciated Vice Records releases. <laughs> that shit. <laughs> I, I have, I have a Stills song. I think it's called "Being Here." Mm-hmm. I have that on. I have that on my running playlist for ten years. A great record. Great band. That's a great record. Great record. They, they they made three incredible records. I think, and such a talented band. And Dave and I stumbled into each other's lives through doing this life. <laughs> He was working at a friend's studio where he was just kind of the stills had broken up and he was working on a project he had called Eight and a Half. And I was working with a gentleman named Andy Kim, who has written songs like Sugar Sugar with Jeff Barry, uh, Rock Me Gently. Oh, whoa. He's a Shit. Lebanese Quebecois kid that came to the Brill building when he was 16 years old. Whoa. And his life changed. So we had met and I loved him so much that I just said, let's make a looking back album let's just go out there and push you forward by emotionally looking back but he didn't want to sing around me he's such a lovely gentleman andy he's such a beautiful beautiful human but he's also a little kid at times and he just said i i I can't sing in front of you when we're making this so i tapped dave hamlin's shoulder because he's lebanese quebecois and he was just getting into production and uh, the two of them went off and started working on vocals and reworking songs with Andy. And then I started going in the studio with Dave and we made a solo record together and of mine called Darlings. And we were at the Bath Studios, which is the hip studio. And Gord, who I knew just a little bit, started to come out and visit us. And we said, hey, let's make a record together. And we worked on a project called Secret Path, which we weren't sure what exactly we were working on. And when we finished it, he described to us that this was a record. Sorry about the siren. That's okay. It's okay. Real life. <laughs> You're always having a better time than somebody else. You know who said that to me? It was Jose. This gentleman from By Divine Right said that one time when there was a siren. And he was speaking and he said, You're always having a better day than somebody else. And I never forgot that. Mm. That's re- no, that's very good. I, w- I won't forget that either. Jose Conservative. Okay. So listen, anyways, where was I? Oh, yes. We made this record. And then Gord asked if we would come in with the band and i'm not sure the band completely wanted us but <laughs> once we got there and we started working i really believed they were absolutely wonderful to work with because they they were just there to make music there was no yeah other agenda and they would just say what are we doing today they weren't like this is how i need it to be and this is what i want they obviously had goals as everybody does but they were wonderful and it was a, such a strange and bizarre time to be with this band that you grew up with and loved and then yeah no that's, i would that's, always just try to that's go. why i ask because that just seems insane mm-hmm. you know like like if you really grew up with it like like your parents might have listened to this you know what i mean <laughs> kind of vibe is like a very crazy place to be in well they were very welcoming and gord kind of pushed us in as his guys but then we sort of started to realize there was this we were gord's lover and if we we had to be very careful about how we dealt with the band and trying to be their lover as we're trying to make this record. But mm-hmm. they had been together so long that it was very simple when things clicked to capture what they were capturing because it was just this Velcro glue of melody. So all that Dave and myself and Niall Spencer, who was running the bathhouse and still does, and this is a key player in all these projects, Niles, I just... I've spent over a decade making albums with him aging. He just produced for me. 
Mm. Uh, we just found ourselves all taking different roles. And my role might have been going in with the fucking Coors Light, you know, <laughs> just like, I'm going in. And I would get in with these guys and just listen to everything that was going on. And I look back at it and I think to myself, one, how lovely was it that they trusted us to do this? And two, it was only after that we finished that record, not too far after that Gord found out he had a brain tumor. So the timing of it became a monumental moment in my life mm -hmm. that I haven't really gotten past and worked with other bands, full records like that since. It's almost as if really the gods were saying, here's, your, here's a band that you're going to produce start to finish. And I haven't, I've worked with this band, Ambagazi, who I adore, but they were the first ones to come in many years later where I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to do this again. And they were also so very welcoming to me. And we just sort of dove in and you try to capture things really quickly. You try to capture moments really quickly. You don't want to spend time sitting around and talking about emotion as much as we know therapy is good for that, and as much as we know mm. the aspect of self-help and all those things are worthy of communication and conversation, art, a lot of the times, it's like whatever that first feeling is, if we don't catch it, then we're going to lose it. So that was very much how we were trying to approach everything. I mean, that's like a that's an interesting way to approach production in general, because I do think that like... We have a lot of friends who are producers and like songwriters and that whole thing. And they, they talk about how it's such a funny job to go in with someone who, who sometimes is very famous and, you know, have to figure out, you know, how to make something together. And it's just, it's endlessly fascinating to me. It is because you're dealing with not only their art, but their lives and their idea that they're on the back porch of their days. And for me, when I can be like working with Andy Kim, working with when Gord was on his way to the door, we were able to work together and we were able to dive into a record called introduce yourself where he was writing letters through music. We were writing together to his loved ones. And it really made me become addicted to the aspect of, I want to work with people who have nothing to lose. They've done what they needed to do. And now they're just trying to create music to go and explain how they feel within this moment in their life and play some shows and not have the weight of the world of their corporation within their bands or their careers on top of them. It's the most yeah. incredible thing to work with people who've been there, done that, and now they're finding peace in the aspect of they just want to play three chords and sing a song. Well, are you, how close are you to that personally? <laughs> I think that was how aging came about. <laughs> I'm not too sure how much longer I'm going to be doing this. Also in the aspect of, it's just a different, there's a different jukebox to it all now. And I'm, as I said, a lot of people, they don't think this is a cool thing to say, but I'm happy to be on your podcast. <laughs> I've seen the people that you've brought on your podcast. I see the guests on your podcast. I'm not a popular person within the world of how things work these days. <laughs> but I did a lot with a lot of people. You know, I, I understand the life that I've lived, and I never thought that I was supposed to have a career in what I was doing. 
And that's what Andy Kim sort of taught me was it was never supposed to be a career. It's just, as I said earlier to you both, Chris and Jason, it's just a reaction mm-hmm. to what you're living. It's re- It was hard to imagine Broken Social Scene being a career just in terms of financially, you know, how messy that has all been. And I'm sure you're sick of talking about that, but I, I heard recently that your dad does or did do your books for a long time, right? I just left him. I just said, Dad, I can't. I got to go. I got to go to this podcast. We're sitting having lunch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, so you just left him physically. You didn't leave him as a client is what you're saying. No, no, no. He's still running the show. And I think he's running the show. One, because he's an incredible business. He's a, he has incredible look on business, but also because I needed help 20 years ago. And he was starting to retire out of the book industry. And I said to him, just help us out for a little bit. But everybody in the band and the label that was I own as well with Jeff Remedios, Kieran Roy, we all realized what an asset he was. And now nobody in the band wants him to ever go away because he became our biggest protector. Mm. And when you have that sort of father figure out there calling the shots when it comes to your money, it's a really comforting feeling knowing that there's someone out there. good. Yeah, exactly. And also, if it's your dad, is there a good chance that he don't take a cut? Well, he (laughs) reminds me every day of how he could. (laughs) (laughs) When the Leonard Cohen story broke, he read all about it, and then he just kind of broke it down. It's like, here's how I could take the same amount of money that the manager took from Leonard Cohen. You know, he, he really can see how artists, artists are vulnerable. We're daydreamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in the day, it used to be like, I made a record. I burned 500 CDs. Where are they? They're under my bed. <laughs> okay, I get it. We, we need people to help us. And I think that's what's suffering within the, the TikTok, Instagram, Twitter world is that so many people who decided to devote their lives to breaking other people's dreams Mm. now have their own dreams and their own microphones, yet they're still working at jobs that they're supposed to be focusing on others. Mm. And it's interesting to watch the demise of art as that becomes more and more, I believe, the cancer of what we're dealing with within society and art and all the things that make us try to find identity within who we want to spend our time with. Damn. So no wonder you're getting out of the biz. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. When you say getting out of the biz, what does that mean? Like, what would you do with your time? Well, he didn't say that. I said that, but he said, I don't know how much longer. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. You're thinking about it. Yeah, look, I've made a solo record. It's a very personal one. I wasn't sure I was going to put it out. I ended up doing that. And I Mm -hmm. can only look at what I'm receiving to move forward. Uh, I am so grateful for everything that I've had, and I'm especially grateful for everything that I have. It took me a while, as it does, to get here, mm-hmm. but I'm here. And I lost my mom in the summertime, and that was my mom. Mm-hmm. And my mom was my greatest supporter, and she was she filled every role for me that moms do, through the good times and bad, but she saw that I was a struggling kid who was a daydreamer. And at first, she thought it was wrong, like I had problems and mm. 
mm-hmm. as so many parents do if their kids are autistic or on the spectrum or feeling different than others. But then she kind of realized it's this kid's got some kind of power and put me in the arts world and put me in art school and put me in drama programs. Mm. So when my mom died, there's a part of me that thought, I so love making music. I love making music with people. I love the community of music. And I feel very satisfied with what I have done. It's not that I want to get out of the biz. If people allow me to keep doing this, I'll do it. But if people are saying, oh, we're going to, you know, go hang out over here instead, then I'm just grateful that I had their time. And I'll go find something else to do where I can try to keep this vibe going of being a person who observes everything in life and tries to put it into some sort of format that helps others. That's all I ever wanted to do because that's all I ever got from music. Mm. It helped me. Yeah, me too. It was hard and it helped me. Just don't start a podcast and we're good. (laughs) Yeah. People told me to do a podcast years ago. Everything in my life, I, I, all I want to do is make films. And now I feel like I stand on a platform <laughs> and this train just doesn't stop. It just goes by. You don't want to make, you don't want to make, you don't want to make film. That, that, that's the hardest, most expensive. It requires, it requires more people than broken social scene. You don't want to do I'm that. I'm doing you it. You don't want to do that. I got to do it. No, you know, if I don't do it, then I die saying, I didn't do the thing that I originally wanted to do, mm. which I, I can't, I can't do that. You can't I can't stomach be the that. person. Okay. All right. No, you know, the, you know, when you sit there and you say, Oh, I could have done that or I could have done this. And then you catch yourself saying that and you think, Oh my God, am I going to become one of those people? But I understand <laughs> I who those a, people are. Am I going to make a flute album? <laughs> yeah. Anything can happen. I'm glad he made that record. I am too. I'm glad he made that record because he made that record to remind people to be quiet. And he is one of the greatest rappers of all time. And 17 years later, he said, here's what I think you need. And I know people think they don't need it. But quite frankly, when I pressed play, I was grateful and thought, this is exactly what I need. Especially now. I came. I've, I've come around on it. I've come around on it. Oh, really? Well, I, I brought that up mainly because you were talking about you love when a musician or a band or someone is making somebody, uh, making something just because they want to make it outside of commerce and agents and advances and stuff and just like to have the financial freedom and creative freedom to just be like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And it's not just flutes only. It's just like a, a sick, nice ambient record to listen to. It's an ambient album and we need them. We need them more than ever. It's so loud out there. Mm-hmm. There's so many people yelling at each other and the loudest person in the room is right and everyone's going after each other and there's so much divide and there's so much awfulness. And Andre 3000 says, here's my flute album. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm going to say, thank you. <laughs> Andre said, smoke on something real quick. Pop this in. <laughs> Sir, yes, sir. Situations like that, I was, I guess that I was hearing him talk about it, being like, what the fuck am I going to rap about getting a colonoscopy? I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I have nothing, I, I have nothing to rap about. Like, that's not where I'm at. And I was like, okay, that's a very good, because rapping is, is probably, or hip hop in general is the, the hardest genre to age in, uh, for, for many reasons. So I think that he, mm-hmm. I think that he, unlike a lot of his peers will will his legacy will remain untarnished well 
by these decisions? I think yeah. aging is the hardest genre to age in because <laughs> what is he going to rap about? There's so much for him to rap about if he wanted to. I think he probably said that line in a realm of like, well, what am I going to rap about? And we all grabbed onto it and we all made it a TikTok yeah. special and all that <laughs> shit that comes with everyone stating their opinions. Damn, don't come for me, Kevin. Don't come oh, no, for me. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I don't come That's for helpful, anyone. helpful, Chris. You I say this, to hear this. My arm is on your back. <laughs> I, I say this rubbing your back. But what, what I am taking within the opportunity of you saying that is, is that it's just aging in general. I know for myself, the last social scene record, Hug a Thunder, if, if you guys were to say, okay, let's see what he's talking about, I sang a few songs, but not a lot. And we had a lot of vocalists coming in, a lot of people writing tunes, because I couldn't quite figure out what to sing about at that point. Mm. I just couldn't. And I think when you grow older and we're growing older in a time that is, as you know, becoming about so much information, that the artistic mind usually clocks through observation. And observation is sort of down on the list because it's about information. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's tough to put into a lyrical format. Well, you, you mentioned, what was that song called? What Thunder? The album. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. The record was called Hug of Thunder. I just sort of pulled back lyrically. I only had a mm. few jams where I actually sang because it was, it was difficult for me to... I was trying to find, and also you have this huge group of people where with this record aging that I just put out, it was easy for me. I was coming up with lyrics very fluently because I was also looking at friends who had left. My mother was quite sick at the time, found freedom in the idea that I wasn't, I, didn't, I said, oh, I won't put this out, but I'll make it because it was the pandemic and it was about trying to remain occupied through creation in the fall of 2021. And I was just sort of, looking to go and hang out with Niles Spencer, who I told you about at the bathhouse, and just sort of do the journal. Just say, okay, here's my journal. And I shelved it for two years because I didn't feel like it was necessary to sort of... You, you made it for you. Yeah, exactly. And I was okay with that. But I had some encouragement. Did arts and crafts give you a big advance? Yeah, they finally, they finally, opened, they finally opened the checkbook. <laughs> here you go we want to lose this amount of money on your no i'm just kidding um it was cameron reed from arts and crafts and then it was brendan canning who's my my partner in uh i i sent this record out to some people and you know life's different when you send stuff to friends and they don't get back to you because mm -hmm. they don't listen to it and it was not by their fault by any means, but they're busy, they're living their lives, they're doing their things. And of course, as I said about information and emails, you forget. And I've been on that end many times, which I always feel really bad about when people send me albums and I forget this great band Zeus, who I love and arts and crafts have put out for years. I only recently saw that they had sent me their record many moons ago. Yeah, And it stabbed me that I didn't, catch that and i even wrote back like gonna listen tonight and then it just didn't happen gonna listen tonight that was 2016 <laughs> <laughs> but brendan Look, was brendan we've all been there yeah we have exactly you know the deal but canning uh zeus got over it i i think they did i have not spoke to them but uh they made an incredible record because they're an incredible band and they're extremely talented musicians 
who deserve more than what they've been given and what they're getting, which is a story <laughs> that I see all the time with having this label, mm -hmm. Arts and Crafts. It's, it's so interesting to me to see what goes and what doesn't and what's timing is correct and what's timing is wrong. It's, it's a oh. bizarre world. But within this record of aging, just to get back to it so I can finish this so my brain doesn't have an ice cream headache, <laughs> I decided to put it out and my man Canning told me to put it out, Brendan. And I feel happy that I did. Are you going to play show? Yeah. Are you playing shows? I'll be in L.A. and New York. Okay, so we're doing I'll be in L.A. and New York. Check your local listings. I uh, want to see both of you at the gig is what I'm yeah, trying no, to say. What is, okay. what, is the, what is the setup for this? Like full band? Like what's the vibe? No, it's uh, me and another gentleman, Danny Ledwell, a lovely guy I met through his wife, Jen Grant. We're going to grab. I grabbed him because I know he's a multi-instrumentalist and and basically just a very enthusiastic human being who when you're going to do this raw world of i'm solo when i usually have 12 to 17 people with me <laughs> yeah i yeah. needed it's, it's usually got the polyphonic spring behind you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's call austin back in 2016 we need you <laughs> <laughs> excuse me 2016 i think it's 2005 I mean, we played a gig with him one time and i remember my ex-wife i thought i've lost her she joined that band and I know she's, I couldn't find her at the <laughs> venue for like hours. And finally I did. She's like, I was on stage. I'm like, okay. That makes sense. Like, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. <laughs> Man, Polyphonic Spree and Broken Social Scene. Just imagine the mixing board, how much tape is on there. This, there's no point in sound checking, right? There's not enough channels in the world. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, uh, we were able to make this band work by not selling people on love but trying to sell them on, here's what we can give you. Here's what we can cut you into. Here's the songwriting that you will get. We know your career is going well. Would you help us out here? What can we do to help you? Mm. And I think that's how we existed longer than bands like that because mm. Polyphonic Spree was so stunning and so beautiful, but I didn't know how they were paying everybody. I just didn't understand it from a financial point of view of where I think it was a real it's probably was an actual cult you know and that's kind of how you have to get you know people feel like they're doing a service that's the only answer I can find not even your dad could fix those books right <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah he's like I looked at it every which way yeah. I just don't see it I'm just waiting for <laughs> it's not a cult until there's a Netflix documentary and then we'll call it a call but for now, right. I'm just gonna call it a band. That's true. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's coming down the pipes. Well, um, speaking of speaking of of hug uh, the thunder, you have a song on 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 aging called Awful Lightning. What's what's going on here? I see a trend with um, you know, dangerous weather patterns. Is this just a coincidence, <laughs> or is this something that you think about? Um, that was oh god, you're gonna hate that. You asked me this. That was uh. The aspect. Of, no, I won't. <laughs> you know, just in the realm of it was for my mom, and it was sort of about the aspect of uh, aging. And I grew up with a great song by Rock and Hyde, who's uh, Bob Rock. They had this the band, the Paolas, and they had this song called "Talk to Me," and it was a beautiful song about just being ignored as you get older. And I always listened to that when I was a kid because I loved their, their records. And it was a song that somehow made me look at the elders in our life quite differently. And back in 2021, 
when Niles and I were just constructing these songs very quickly, we went in to make a children's record and we switched it around once we started singing about the aspects of getting older in life that maybe children don't actually need to hear, but we were trying to do it in a lullaby realm. <laughs> and I just sort of was singing about the aspect of lightning is so beautiful and so striking and so incredible. And my mother was always such lightning to me, but her body was mm. turning inward on her and folding into a napkin that was taking her mind from her. And I just thought about the, the sense of awful lightning. And it was where I, uh, and I apologize to answer this question for you because it is a little oh. in the aspect of personal heaviness, but it's, it's okay. That's what you do best. I observed the, her body shutting down. And it reminded me of this Rock and Hide song where as you get older, you don't become seen. And I always thought there was something really beautiful and truthful about that. So I kind of took it from a page from that song. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I think about that sometimes. I I, I visualize it as, as sort of just a giant, uh, just the waves just going in and sucking it back into the ocean and... Mm -hmm. You know, a hundred years later, it's it's all forgotten. Mm -hmm. It's heavy. It's heavy, man. Well, hey, the new ones album in stores now. Check them out. Album <laughs> in stores. We're hitting the road. Come see us in your city. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are lovely, Kevin. It was it was great talking was to you. The highs and the lows of aging. Um, available now. When when's the LA and New York shows? We're gonna try and come out and see one of them at least. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm sorry, I don't have the dates. It's That's January, okay. sort of nineteenth, twentieth, and I think sort of okay, twenty six, twenty seven, maybe in LA. So I'll be in New York first, and then coming out. And uh, gentlemen, thank you. Now, can I do something for you really quickly before we go? Please, sure. Because I wanted to do something since I've listened to your show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but just give me. You don't have to put this on air, but just give me a little, a little breezeway here. I thought I'd do a commercial for you. Okay, oh, no, please, please, yes, go, go right ahead. We're gonna give you more than a breezeway. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you want me to send you a couple scripts? We have a McDonald's ad read that we're overdue on. I, I, I wrote something down for you. Oh, okay, okay? got this it. Is great. Okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, it's an honor. <clears throat> when I'm feeling down, I get on that McDonald's app and I go grab my food by skipping the line. I grab my nuggies, I go home, and then I dip, I dip them in the aesthetic screens with the 75 nutrients while I lay on my Helix mattress and dream of a better world. Shit. There you go. That's, How was that? I mean, the combination wow. of, the, of those three things is so twisted that I think it works. Wow. <laughs> if aging doesn't Dipping make me cry, that commercial will. <laughs> Dipping your nuggets in the AG1? That's aging a, one yeah aging one that's, that's what, what it's called aging one what is with does ag one have a corner on the podcast market yes because i've heard ag one a lot yes okay. i mean some companies just some companies just like choose it works for them and they lean in and that's like how they advertise i mean i think athletic greens jason yeah they've that's like all they do kind yeah, of yeah they've been they've been advertising yeah but they've been advertising on podcasts for like for years one. and years now yeah. it's definitely yeah, that's all, all they do. Well, guess who wants to get it? 
<laughs> I guess who's about there. to get it? You're about yeah. to get it. Yeah, you just you just earned your your siren song has been answered by the good folks at AG One. <laughs> Our friends over. We'll at make AG1. sure to get a nice little gift package out over there too. I feel bad. I, I, mean, I did mess it up a little. I messed up. It a might little, get stuck in customs, I, but me. we'll figure out what we can do. We'll see what we can do. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I know some. I know some. People. I bet you. I, know I bet you people. do. We'll get a grant to get these things. I'm over a, there. I'm a whiz. I'm a whiz on the laptop. I'll clean it up and post. Um, oh, good. Thank you. You did have a little auto you put a little auto tune on aging which i don't touch personally it's just a thing that i don't do but so no promises on that okay we, but you got a good clean take we, you would, really quickly you would be great in auto tune because you have a very relaxing voice now yes this is your podcast but i do believe if you were to go into that wanderlust world of self-healing and meditation you would rock and also just to address your auto tune <laughs> that was Niles when we were making this children's record, and I said to him, "I want to, I want some kind of like grandmother, mother, woman to sing this." And he threw me through auto tune, and I can understand why it's so addictive to the people like myself who sing like <laughs> Kermit the Frog, because it makes you sound like you're this glorious angel from the never-ending story. It makes you sound good. It's so weird. That's not anything I'm used to. A powerful tool. And a it's also important, tool. you know, you're like, hey, we're not going to hire another person to join the band. We're just going to auto-tune it, okay? And, and <laughs> it's going to be tough for you, Kevin, but we can do it with, with just solo. All right, well, but listen. We can get it thank done. Thank you so much for that, for thank that you. commercial ad read. Truly an honor. We appreciate, we appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you so much. And I um, appreciate you both. And really we'll quickly. We'll see you soon. Yeah. You will see me soon because you and I, the three of us, I'm going to have you in Toronto. I'm going to have you up to my place. Ooh. I'm going to get you really high, and we're going to listen to the Beastie Boys louder than you've ever heard music <laughs> before. And when you leave, you will say, I understand it now. Damn, this is Canadian conversion therapy. I promise you. That's a big promise. That's a big, that's a big <laughs> okay. promise. We're going to take you, me, take me up to your clockwork orange cabin up there in Ontario, and we're going to... Oh, it's beautiful. D don't worry. And I don't get high, so... I would probably hire someone to do it for me, but then I would DJ being like, let's go. <laughs> That's a more fun approach. That's a more fun approach. Uh, yeah. No, thank you for joining us, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks so All much. Right. Later, Kevin. Thanks. Bye.